high stadium to breaking down the middle. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. Welcome to the lowdown. Brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for amazing deal days until February 16th only. 0% financing up to 60 months on select remaining in stock 2023 GMC Sierra half tons plus a $5,000 cash discount. Visit WolfGMCBuick.com. Well, weather's lost last night. You have to regroup, calm your everything. And I need to remind you, 16 wins in a row changed the trajectory of the season for your Edmonton Oilers. Plus, and I will tell you again, this is the reason the team needs to make a move at the deadline. We're going to talk about that, and I'm going to give you an anecdotal piece of information, a story from the past. You know how I love those, and you know how you endure them. So that's coming up sports 1440.ca iHeartRadio, radio player canada on the podcast at apple and spotify text or call us 1833-401-1440 and twitter at low tide and at declan kruger and with that we say a hearty hello to our dear friend declan kruger everybody hello he's here how are you i'm good i got a cookie Oh, awesome. Oh, that's I just great. walked in and they gave me a cookie. They know, they know how to reward me. Pretty soon, no payment, just cookies. I was going to say, like, like, you're wondering about those missing paychecks all these past months? So are that's you, what, are um, what kind of mood are you in after the loss last night? Uh, you, you know, I was weirdly gutted. I was weirdly gutted because I I predicted this a little while ago. I said I thought this would be the one they lost. But as the game drew closer, I kind of felt I wasn't believing what I was actually saying. And I really wanted to see history and to be on the precipice like that and fall short. Listen, I still think the Oilers are one of a few teams in the National Hockey League that can win a Stanley Cup. I still think they're right there in the Pacific yep. and the Western Conference. I agree. But I was gutted. I really wanted to see history and fall short and be that close. It uh, it took away from me a little bit. I thought Connor McDavid handled it well. I, I mean, yep. <laughs> I mean that He's honestly. Well, he he rained down blows on the uh, water bottle, and he was clearly not happy. But he said the right things afterwards, <laughs> and look, we're going to talk about Vegas. Vegas is a good team, no doubt about that. Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey will join us at the Edmonton Journal, and Ian Harrison from AP Sports will talk about two things: Raptors and Jays. What are they doing with Vladdy? We'll talk about that. All right. So here's how I saw the game. Uh, Aiden Hill played very well. Luck drove some of the events. I know there was at least one goal post, a crossbar, all kinds of great chances. But give Aiden Hill credit and give the Vegas Golden Knights credit. They're kind of a greasy team. They hold and clutch and pull and don't take penalties. I mean, (laughs) they don't get called on penalties. And they stay in lanes. And the Oilers are predictable. And Vegas is really good at scouting that. So the Leon cross-ice pass at the blue line has like three guys waiting for him. It's like it's like a cheat sheet, and the Oilers fall victim to that each time because they're stubborn. Not all of them and not always, but there's a stubbornness about the Oilers. And they'll change. They're maturing. It's going to happen, and I think it'll happen this year. There are some other things. Vegas won last night playing their game. The Oilers, I thought, gave Herculean effort and did not get rewarded. Vegas played without Jack Eichel and without their top defenseman in Shea Theodore. Oilers need to add, folks. Why do they need to add? Let's take it position by position. The Oilers need to add a right winger so that Warren Fogel can slide down to the third line 
with Holloway and McLeod, and, and maybe maybe you know Holloway goes to the fourth line and plays center, and they keep Corey Perry there, but it gives you more options. You need to get a scoring winger for Leon Dreisaitl. It increases the depth and the quality heading into the playoffs. Why do the Oilers need to add a defenseman? Because if Roberg is in, in, in Bakersfield, that's great insurance. You now have eight NHL defensemen. Terrific. Going to be a long, long, long run. You've got it. Goalie, I don't know. If Cam Talbot is available, I would say pull the trigger. If not, then maybe Calvin Pickard is the guy. All is not lost, Edmonton Oilers fans. All was won during that 16-game winning streak. If you look back at to where they were when it started and where they are now, oh, my. It's good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Think about the poor Los Angeles Kings. Think about poor Todd McClellan. Where was he at the beginning of the 16-game winning streak by the Edmonton Oilers, and where is he now? Yeah, the world changed a lot in those 16 wins. Not breaking or tying the record doesn't really change anything, except in your mind. And I'm not putting you down. I'm saying that's what sports is about. There's a build, there's a build. Oh, damn it. Right at the, right at the precipice. You know, it's like, it's like when I see Declan about to go and buy me a coffee, and then he doesn't. It's, oh, he's so close. He was there. He bought himself a coffee. didn't get me one. Same thing. Not really. But there's disappointment. Now, the Euler team has to turn that into desire and beat Anaheim and beat L.A. Because we, I don't think any of us thought they were going to go through the month of February and win all the games as well as in January. However, they can't have any losing streaks, so you win some more. I do think Vegas Golden Knights will be the opposition in the playoffs. It would be nice, <clears throat> excuse me, it would be nice for the orders to be able to host the extra game. And that might be important because we saw how the game is called in Vegas. It, it's, it's a circus there. It reminds me so much of when the Philadelphia Flyers were winning Stanley Cups in 74 and 75. It's just a little off. Things that shouldn't happen, like Bobby Orr getting a penalty with two minutes left, happen when you're playing Philly at the Spectrum and when you're playing Vegas in the madness that they have going on. That home game for the seventh game might be important. I want to also remind you that the Oilers did win earlier in the year in a shootout against Vegas, and they were tied after four games in the series last spring. And two periods, second period of game five, second period of game six, decided the series. It's that close. That's why they need to add. They need to go get Gensel. They need to go get Pickett offenseman. I mean, they're, they're not totally interchangeable, but let's say the kid in Nashville. Need to go get Talbot, maybe Jake Evans. They're not going to get all of them. But you need to look. And you can say, well, what about next year? you got to build for Okay, they're healthy. Everybody's playing well. They're not being relying on, you know, career seasons from Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. This team has some volume and some depth. It's like a really good hair day. That's what the orders are. Add a little. You don't need to add a lot, but it's important what you add. We'll see how it goes. I think the McDavid anger is good. And if he saw something, I bet he mentions to the coach, and maybe they tweak it. I didn't like the way they were moving around on the power play. What I know about that is ziddle. And I really like the way Vegas broke out, and I really like the way that Vegas forced the issue 
on, they contested everything. Evan Bouchard did not have a great night, but part of that was Vegas doing things well. Vegas was brilliant at all the things they're good at. They suppress offense by forcing the issue, standing up everywhere, over, over, over covering. That means two people in the corner and not one, and they block lanes, and their outlets through the middle are very short passes and highly effective. Vegas did all of those things well. Edmonton did them well, better than they have, but I think that the fact that they'd been laid off a little bit for a time might have hurt. And I, I think Cody Cece didn't have a great game, and I will say Evan Bouchard didn't as well. And I've seen some criticism of Vincent DeHarnay. I did not notice him in a bad way. But the right side of the defense, maybe not so good. I did like a few things. I thought the uh, McLeod line was very good. And obviously loved the shorthanded goal. And, and really, the owner's not scoring a second goal. There was a little bad luck in there. They had some great chances and some stuff go off iron. If you're an Edmonton Oilers fan and you're disappointed today, I get it. If you're outraged and angry and can't believe this team sucks so bad, then I'm going to disagree with you. On my blog, there's people saying, well, here we go. You can make all the excuses you want. And when I see that, I stop reading. Because last night was a game the Oilers could have, should have won. And if you're, if you're creating a, a verbal scenario that involves the Oilers being poor and, oh my goodness, they've got to fix this tomorrow because they suck so bad then I'm not going to read it because it's, it's, there's a certain element of Euler fan who wants to be the smartest person in the room, and they do it by getting outraged by things, by being loud about it. Instead of being loud about it, why don't you be smart about it? Why don't we talk about things that are important, like Leon's passes at the blue line? How do you iron that out of a brilliant player? How do you stop that brilliant player? How do you teach that brilliant player that there were three Vegas Golden Knights lined up for that pass you were sending across the ice, blind, backhand? Maybe don't do that as often, and that pass will be more successful if you do it three out of ten times instead of eight out of ten times. That's a coaching staff issue. And Leon is so damn good, sometimes it works anyway. But I think those are the things that are going to cost the Edmonton Oilers. CeCe was a little late on going goal, and I think it was Ekholm who didn't box out on the first goal. You know, uh, Skinner made the save, bumbled the, the rebound just a little bit, and it was in the back of the net. You'd like to have a defenseman in between boxing out that, that initial quick chance. It was a split second. And you can fault the goalie if you want, but I think that better defensemen in that situation would have it a little better covered. And I don't know whether it was Ekholm or Bouchard, but somebody didn't have that coverage. All right. We will talk to Bruce McCurdy. We will have the rumors segment in just a few minutes. And we'll also have Ian Harrison from AP Sports. We're going to talk to him about the Toronto Raptors and Scotty Barnes going to the All-Star game. He is the future of the Raps. We don't know when they're going to win again, maybe not in my lifetime. But Barnes is going to lead the way here for the next long time in Toronto. And he's a hell of a player, unique player. We'll talk about how unique with uh, Mr. Harrison today. And we'll also talk about Vladdy arbitration. I don't know about the Vladdy arbitration. I think that there are times when Canada's baseball teams, there were two, now there is one, do things that are curious. I remember when the Montreal Expos 
decided not to extend arbitration to Larry Walker because you had to extend with a contract of a certain amount. And they didn't want to do it because, and I want you to hear me, they were afraid he would accept it. Oh, my. You know you're cheering for the wrong team when they say, you know, we've got this left-handed hitting Canadian superstar who's on his way to the Hall of Fame. We're just going to let him go to free agency because we're afraid he's going to accept the offer we're going to give him. What kind of hooligan general management is that? Well, I don't think Vladdy getting arbitration is the same level, but there's a certain, I think, there's a certain feel to it. There's a certain reaction I have to it. This little makes me feel like it's a little off. We'll find out from Ian Harrison coming up on the show today. As I mentioned, your comments are welcome. We love them. Please comment. Please send us your text and comments at one 401 1440 Or should be Bush bombing those Vegas blockers into next year, literally. Well, maybe that was a an idea. I know that late in the game he sent a, a flutter ball that was intercepted and ended up in the back of the net. Not what you need there. When you've got five guys lined up, maybe you're not going to put it through. I know there's frustration, but maybe that's not the way to, to deal with it. I want to leave you with this. This is a, a stat I have on a article at The Athletic today about the orders being a wagon at five-on-five five with room to grow. I'm just going to read you this. In the last 30 games, excluding the Vegas game, McDavid is the owner of a 63% goal share at 5-on-5 and a 66% expected goal share at 5-on-5. That's in the last 30 games. In those same 30 games, Edmonton is 58% with McDavid off the ice with a 53% expected goal share. The Oilers are a wagon. They do have room to grow. Last night was a game. Overreacting is a bad idea. And if you're letting Flames fans and Leafs fans and Oilers fans who like to go rogue on today, on days like today, make you feel anything other than, holy mackerel, this is a good team, and they lost last night, then I would would encourage you to rethink, spend time figuring out how you feel before being influenced by those who may have an agenda. And they do. Okay. It's not to, what are we doing today? Is it Wharf Wednesday? Are we making wolf sounds, whale sounds? What's the music today? There is no musical theme today. There is one song we will play for the uh, last segment of the show today, Round Ball Rock, of course. That is our staple. Yeah. We could, we could, we could start something. We could get a. What are you going to talk about on your NBA feature today? Probably just a little of this, a little of that, you know. Well, that's interesting. By the way. Are we going to, uh, we have a, a young person waving at us. That's very nice. Oh, hello Are we going to talk about our guest coming in, in studio tomorrow? Yeah, we're going to have Paul Sir with yeah. us tomorrow. He's going to be in studio. He's going to be dropping by, which is always a treat. Yeah, I, knew, well, I knew he was coming in because they've raised the ceilings. Yes, I know. Yeah. They did that yesterday. We should have uh, We should have known. I've been in studio with Paul Sir approximately 20 times, and I've never actually seen his face. That's how high he is up yep. there. No, he's a t- he's tall. His head is in the clouds. For I always sure. say, could you take a selfie? I just want to know what you look like. I'm sure he's a great looking guy, but we'll never well, know. I mean, he's you know, I mean, he, all I know is that that you know, I hope he never drops anything when I'm around. Like Paul Sir carrying like a, a a car battery that is that is leaking. For somebody like me, that's the most dangerous thing in the world. God knows where that leak is going to go. I mean, it's 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 like raining. 
I mean, he's so high. Okay, I think I'm done. All I'm saying to you today is, if you're letting somebody feel bad, make you feel bad about the orders, you're letting yourself feel bad about the orders. I will tell you honestly, if there was a reason for you to be upset about the Edmonton Oilers, there is not. They need to make a move at the deadline. And I'll tell you why it's important. I wasn't going to use this old-timey thing. I decided against it, but now I'm back to using it. I'm going to tell you a story from my childhood. It ruined my childhood. It was among the saddest things that ever happened to me. And I will tell you next. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. And yes, I did dance to that in the clubs. It was a long time ago. That would have been 40 years ago. How old is that song? Is it 83 or 84? I think the first one was 83, but that okay. version was Bizarre Love Triangle 94, which oh, is, in my opinion, my the superior version. I just love that damn song. And that band, from like they Joy Division, Ian Curtis passes away. And I remember the time between Joy Division and then them, and I was just blown away with what they were doing. It was incredible. There aren't a lot of times I wish I could go back in time uh, and relive periods that I hadn't been there. But if I could dance to that song in a club in 19, you know, like you said, 1984, I'd be a happy guy. I'm telling you what, it was pretty awesome. (laughs) It was pretty awesome. There's some great versions of that, too. There's there's an art, I think it's pronounced Frente, F-R-E-N-T-E. She is this, this wisp of a girl singing that song. And it's it's a different vibe, but it's gorgeous. I love that song. Gotta say. This is the lowdown. I love doing the lowdown for Wolf GMC Buick. Check them out at wolfgmcbuick.com. I just want to say I love this job. I don't know how much longer I'll be doing it. You know, I'm not planning on going anywhere, but life is life. But I'm loving where I am in my life. I get to write for The Athletic. I have Israel, who's a fantastic editor. I, I can write anything I want. Somebody asked me, that they, do they make your right stuff? No. I just, I think of four ideas, I send them, and they go, great. And then I get to write about them. It's, it's me being my best self for me, with me in mind. How could I not love that? I don't know why I'm telling you. I just feel good today. I had a shower. Um, what about you? Do you feel good about doing this show? Oh, my goodness. Low tide, it's a dream. Liar! No, no it's a dream. I love being here. My goodness, I'm excited to come to work every day. I have people, like, when like all, like all I've when I take some time off or when there's a long weekend, like, I'll be upset, and people are, will be like, what do you mean, like, you're upset? Like, you, you don't have to go to work. And I tell them, no, 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 like, I love going into work. Like, I like my job. I Why do you to refuse there. to park anywhere near anybody else who works here? Then? Well, I don't like you guys. Okay. I like the job. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I park as far away as I can. Don't talk to anybody before we get on air. I, How I like it, by the way. I see um, you coming into work, and you look like a, a a character from Star Wars. You got a cloak over your head, and you're yep. And you don't you speak a different language? Yep, trying to channel the force to keep you guys God, away from me. I mean, yep. I just I feel like it's a bad vibe out there. Well, it's a great vibe for me. I feel great with the things I'm doing. So. <laughs> Okay, it is time for rumors. There's not a lot. Brendan Dillon is having a uh, hearing with the Department of Player Safety uh, for the hit on Penguins forward Noel Achari. I don't see it. It's a phone hearing. It's going to be five games or less. I would like somebody to tell me what Dillon was supposed to do in that situation. I guess he could let up. He could stop. He could try to stop. 
I I think we're asking like I don't want to see a Scott Stevens hit again. But I think in this particular situation, they're asking a lot of Brendan Dillon. They're basically saying, look, he's he's coming at you at a trajectory that if you hit him, you're going to hit your head. He's going to hit his head. And so don't. Whereas he's just trying to make a hit. And he doesn't, I don't think he targets. And he didn't bring anything up that I saw. Maybe I'm wrong. Text me and let me know I'm wrong if I am. I don't think I am. I'm a little bit... Not annoyed, but flummoxed by the fact that that is going to be something they're going to going to rule on. I guess what I'm saying is NHL player safety is like a magic eight ball. It's like a box of chocolates in that movie with that guy. Forrest Gump, I think his name was. You never know what you're going to get. Noah Hannafin, the Flames want him. I know why. He's really good. He scored last night. Holy hell, Boston, please be better. I cheer for you. Hannafin's a really good defenseman. I don't know how many years he's going to be at this level, but he's good. And it's like acquiring Brad McCrimmon the year that Calgary got him. This is a guy. But they want to sign him, and I understand. But if they can't, they're going to have to let him go. That'll be heartbreak. If I were a Flames fan, and I'm not, that's the guy I'd want to keep, even over Lindholm. I don't know if they're going to be able to. They're going to let the agents are going to let the Flames know in the coming days. Apparently, multiple offers have been made. There's a. I mean, I think what's happening is the Mark Langston thing. Do you know what the Mark Langston thing is? Not off the top of my head, but I may get the reference once you elaborate a little. Well, the Expos traded Randy Johnson, Gene Harris, and Brian Holman, three pitchers for Mike Langston. And at the time, Dave Dombrowski, the GM, said, yeah, we're looking to sign him. And I remember at the press conference, they said, Mark Langston, are you going to sign with the Expos? And he goes, well, we'll see how it plays out. As soon as he said, we'll see, I said, goodbye. Goodbye, Randy Johnson. Goodbye, Gene Harris. Goodbye, Brian Holman. Because we'll see means no. So don't make the trade. If you need to sign the guy to make the trade worthwhile, and God knows the Expos did, Langston was a beauty. I saw him pitch live against Frank Viola when he was with the Mariners. Probably the best baseball game I've ever seen. Minnesota won. Kirby Puckett threw out Dave Valley at home plate. I think the final score was 2-1. Dick Williams got thrown out. Oh, he was mad. He, he should have been mad because how how his ass looked in that outfit he was wearing. The Mariners had funny colors and he had light, and I wouldn't look any better, but he had light suspender pants. And he, he looked funny, and I don't think he wanted to. But then he, he trots out there, yells at the umpire, gets thrown out. And then I'm sure Dick Williams would have replaced Dave Valley at second base. You need to score that run to get it to extra innings. They didn't do it, and they lost. Minnesota won the World Series that year. Okay, so here's my story, (laughs) as if that wasn't enough. Here's the reason why the Edmonton Oilers, why Ken Holland and why uh, Jeff Jackson and hockey ops on the pro side have to do something. This is a really good team. I wrote about it today, and I called them a wagon at 5-on-5, and a wagon with room to improve because they can get Leon, a right winger, who can score. They can not touch the top line. 
they can put Fogle with Holloway and McLeod and still have Corey Perry left over to move up and down the lineup. Man, that's a lot of good talent. But you need that second-line right-winger to make Fogle, uh, you know, a guy who can move slide up or move down. When I was young, my favorite team was the Boston Bruins. The Bobby Orr Boston Bruins. And they were, in 1970-71, they were the best offensive team in the history of the National Hockey League to that time. Now, a decade later, the Montreal, or the Edmonton Oilers would pass that. But in the opening round, because first played third and second played fourth, don't ask me why. So the Bruins finished first and they played the third place, Montreal Canadiens. Makes no sense then, makes no sense now, but that's how they did it. They changed it later after the Bruins had lost. So in game one, the Bruins win... On April 7th, they win in Boston by a final score of 3-1. to one. They look good doing it. Game 2, April the 8th, 1971. Now, in Derek Sanderson's book, I've Gotta Be Me, he writes about going out and partying, and they partied too much, and they would lose the next game. Montreal scored first in Game 2, and then there were five Bruins goals. Five! Five-one Bruins And we're not even halfway through the second period. Well, lights out. No, not so much. Henri Richard Richard scored once in the second period. Beliveau scored twice in the third. Jacques Lemaire, John Ferguson, Frank Mahovlich. And the final score was 7-5 for the Montreal Canadiens. And they they won game three. Boston won games four. Boston wins game five, and then Montreal closed it out with eight, three, and four, two wins. Now, I've always blamed Derek Sanderson, and I've always blamed a lot of other things. But the truth is that Sam Pollock and the Montreal Canadiens did two things really well in that series. Number one, they had a great goalie that they called up with six games experience in Ken Dryden, and he stoned everybody. And the second thing they had was better depth, and so they could rotate their lines more often than the Bruins did. So they had, my recollection is, that the center icemen on that team were Jean Beliveau, and then they would have Jacques Lemaire, Pete Mahovlich, and Andre Richard. He played, but I don't remember if he played a lot of center. And back then they had three lines, so if he was playing, he might play center, but he might also play the wing. And they won the game and they won the series because they had better depth. Everybody was fresher. And they had some old guys. John Beliveau was his final year. John Ferguson, too. Ferguson was a shell of his former self. In fact, he said after the series that Rajon Hull, a rookie, saved his ass and his line in that series and during the playoffs. Better depth. How do you get better depth? Well, you you load up. You trade for a right winger for the dry side of the line. You move Fogel back to the third line. You move Perry to the fourth line. Unless... He's playing really well, and then you can move Holloway to the fourth line. And you do the same thing on defense. You say, okay, we have six guys we like, and the seventh guy is Broberg, but he's in the minors. Don't bring Broberg up, although you could do that now, just to give him a taste of the NHL and for the coach to know what he was looking like. But get a guy, not just a guy who's a fringe guy, but get a guy who might force Cody Ceci to the bench or Vincent DeHarnay to the bench 
or Brett Kulak, although I don't think that'll happen. Get a guy. And and maybe Cam Talbot or somebody who's better than Pickard, too. Load up. Because I think, and I wrote about this earlier in the week in The Athletic, I think this is the time to stand and deliver. Leon Dreisaitl can negotiate a contract in the summer. He still has a year left on his contract. But the new manager is going to come in here, and I don't know who it is, but he's going to say, hey, come along with us. And maybe Leon's going to say what Mark Langston said. Well, we'll see. As soon as you say we'll see, you have to make a decision as an organization. And you saw what happened to the Calgary Flames. You saw it. I don't have to tell you what happened. You saw what happened to the Calgary Flames. Remember? Goudreau, Kachuk, all of that. Then they trade for Huberdeau, and look where they are. Dead in the water. They're out at sea, and they have no line back to land. You don't want to be that if you have the Edmonton Oilers. So if Leon says, we'll see in the summertime, you have to make a decision. Right now, you can help that decision if you load up and try to win the Stanley. I think it's the play. They're healthy. Next year, Nuge and Kane and Hyman and Ekholm and CeCe, they're all going to be a year older. All of them. I get that you want to. I'm the prospect guy. I love prospects. I love the draft. I don't want to see the first round pick go. I don't want to see Philip Broberg go. But sometimes you have to make it happen. And I think this is a time because everybody's shades of gray. If you think Vegas Golden Knights won because they were superior yesterday, I'm telling you, you're wrong. This is close. This is razor thin. This is like, um, was it Hunter's search for a red October? It's like when they just missed with a missile and they killed themselves. you got to be really, really clear on this. The Edmonton Oilers need to go get a guy on right wing. They need a right-handed center. They need a right defenseman, and they need a goalie. They can't get them all, but they can get some of them, and that is going to be the key to the deadline. What was the name of that movie? Hunt. Hunt for Red October. Damn, that was a good movie. Don't you think? Oh, great movie! Did you ever read the book by chance? Oh, I don't read. Okay, yeah, because the book. I, I, again, I'm not a big reader, but that book was one of the books I read, and it was it was a really good book. I, I read like sports books a lot, but I all yeah. I find myself, and this is a bad sign. I find myself reading sports books I've read before because they're comfort to me. Yeah, is mo- that wrong? No, not at all. Most of my reading is articles, columns, sports biographies, things like that. But one of the oh. few novels I have read, because it is a limited list, was The Hunt for Red October, and uh, it was a, it was one of the books that was because uh, I'm a guy who thinks movies are generally better than books. I'm a young guy. That mm-hmm. book was better than the movie. Stephen so. King books are terrific. Oh, the yeah. movies are also terrific, but yep. um, Peter Straub, I like a few others. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. When it comes to reading, by the time I'm done the Wordle in the morning, I'm exhausted. It takes a lot out of you. There's a lot of brain power that goes into that. I don't blame you at all. In in all truth, and I'm not I'm not making this up, and I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me because, as I said to you at the beginning, I'm living my best life. I love what I do. I sincerely do. I I I love what I do. I know, you know, I know that that on a professional level and on stuff that I do for a living level. I'll never have it better than I do now, and I cherish it. I mean that sincerely. But yeah, there are times when I don't have time to do things. And that that's, I mean, the, the reason I go ahead and write and do the radio and all of that is because I know there'll be a time when I can do everything. 
At least I hope. Okay. So what are we what are we uh what have we flattened so far? Is there anything we need to do? I don't think so. I think we're all all shirt up for the first 40 minutes. We have Ian Harrison coming up here after the break. It's going to be good and then what, I think uh, we're just going to keep rolling. Who 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 was that cookie from? Uh, it was from Cookies by George. Oh my God. Delivered to you by Brandon Douglas. Well, Brandon's a good man. I uh, He didn't great. deliver it to me. I, 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 you I took it from rain him. blows down upon him, and I took it. It was a chocolate cookie with a little bit of macadamia nut on it. it, was, it was, and you didn't offer me a bite. I, to hell with you. That was, <laughs> that, was my, that was a great cookie. I had pot pie yesterday and a great cookie today. I'm on a roll. Imagine like what tomorrow's going to bring. I'm in like that plant in Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> Feed me! <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to take a break. On the way, Ian Harrison, we're going to talk about the NBA and Scotty Barnes, the Raptors, going to the All-Star game. And Vladdy, why are the Jays taking Vladdy to the arbitration? Is this a good idea? We'll find out from Mr. Harrison next. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the lowdown on Sports 1440, and everybody my age right now is thinking they're watching Jennifer Beals do those dancing scenes. It was Maureen Jahan who did the dancing scenes in Flashdance. God, the stuff that happens on that that dance. Anyway, uh, the lowdown is brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Visit them at wolfgmcbuick.com. Bruce McCurdy on the way in hour number two. We'll tee up. Jason Greger's show at 2 o'clock as well. And right now, we are joined by Ian Harrison from AP, who I don't know whether I got it from her or not, but but he t- retweeted something I did yesterday, which is this bucket one, sheep zero <laughs> video. Ian, it, it felt, I felt like I was the sheep in that video. Why did you retweet it? <laughs> uh, it, it made me laugh out loud, which, uh, which I thought it was something that to be shared with the wider world. But, uh, yeah, I've certainly had days where I felt like the sheep there. <laughs> <laughs> That's killer. I'm going to retweet it again because it's so good. You're a Tottenham Hotspur fan, so I know you can feel pain because that's oh, a – tell me about it. That's a tough <laughs> drill, right? Man. Oh, yeah. Yes, I, I inherited that from my uh, my dad and from his dad before him. But uh, uh, that's a cross I have to bear. I've passed it down to my son, too. We'll see if it takes. He's uh, yeah, he's – He's unsure so far. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 being a Spurs fan, know you, you know that you know. Tell me that they're going to finish fifth without telling me they're going to finish fifth, right? Like even though we're halfway through the season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit. Let's start here. Let's start with uh, Scotty Barnes, All Star. We know he's the the face of the team now, but we are also finding out about him, and he's a pretty spectacular young player. Maybe not not full-blown and maybe not famous yet, but there's a lot there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I, I think, uh, well, to hear Darko Ryakovich tell it, he's the face of the league. Uh, I mean, he is a former Rookie of the Year, which is, accounts for something. Um, you know, he wasn't voted into the All-Star team or selected originally, chosen as an injury replacement, along with Atlanta's Trey Young yesterday. Um, but certainly, you know, completely deserving, I think, uh, on his, his own numbers. You know, he's among the, uh, I think he's, I, I think I heard the other day, Barnes is 10th in the NBA in fourth quarter points. Um, so, you know, I mean, yeah, as, as I think the Raptors are trying to still figure out what, what his ceiling is here. And, and, you know, is he going to be the guy, uh, their number one option on a, when this team returns to competitive respectability? Uh, my suspicion is yes. 
Uh, I guess there's, the jury is maybe a little bit solid. Does he need someone in front of him, or will he succeed just as well with a couple of, you know, a one A and or, or you know, a, a couple of guys behind him? Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's sort of very much the player that you're looking for, I think, in the NBA these days. A, a, a big, a bigger guy, but a guy who can handle the ball, a guy who has passing vision and, and understands how to use his teammates, and is sort of still working to kind of refine that outside game a little bit, but certainly has all the athletic attributes that you're looking for, you know, in the paint and so on, finishing at the rim and what have you. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he is he is kind of the, in large part the guy the Raptors have pinned a lot of their hopes on moving forward. Uh, particularly in, in light of the guys who have gone out the door so far this season, um, so you know I, it's certainly, as I say, a worthy a worthy nod to the All Star game for him, and uh, perhaps the first of many. Well, he's averaging twenty two points a game, eight point one rebounds, a, a one and a half blocks. Uh, one of seven NBAers to average twenty points, eight rebounds, and five assists, and so I, I mean, very impressive. But but now the question is how to build around him and whom to uh, populate the roster. And I guess that's the next step. Yeah, so we've got the NBA trade di- deadline coming up tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. And certainly a lot of moving parts, uh, potential moving parts on the Raptors. The most likely, I, I would say, is probably Bruce Brown, the, the veteran guard who came over from Indiana in the Pascal Siakam trade and was part of Denver's championship run last year. A well-traveled player, but a you know a guy who any contending team could certainly make use of. Uh, when he arrived here in Toronto, Darko Ryakovich talked about how he had studied the league a couple of summers ago as a summer project and determined that Bruce Brown was the best cutter in the NBA. Uh, so you know, I think quite easily the the most uh, saleable asset on this roster that they're willing to part with, obviously. Um, but still, you know, there's a, a couple other guys who might be. Uh, with new new uniforms come Friday, Chris Boucher among them, uh, maybe even Fad Young, uh, Dennis Schroeder even has been mentioned in some trade rumors. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't expect a whole raft of moves, maybe maybe one or two. Um, you know, the, the Raptors having already acquired a probably arguably more draft capital of this for this summer than they would want or need. Uh, are obviously disinclined to get any any more picks in the the next draft. If they can get picks in future drafts, they'll probably be a little more interested. Um, with with now you know the possibility of three picks in, in the coming draft, which is not considered especially robust. Um, but yeah, I think Bruce Brown is perhaps the most likely to go, uh, and and Boucher second most likely, and then we'll see what what happens after that. Um, you know, and obviously in terms of looking down the line. You know the the arrivals of uh, Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett around the around the holidays. Those are two guys who who Toronto certainly clearly feels very good about moving forward. But but yeah, you know after that, there's not a lot of certainty on on uh, you know who's going to be starting for this team in, in uh, on opening day next season. Uh, so a lot to be sorted out between now and and tomorrow afternoon. And then after you know what I think was most likely here. Uh, with the Raptors is they may not make a ton of moves by the deadline, but what's more likely is once the season is over and once the draft lottery has happened and they know exactly what they have in terms of draft assets, then it seems like Masai Ujiri could sit down and start making some moves. And, uh, you know, at at the moment they have these picks, but, you know, you don't know exactly where they're going to be. 
once you have the certainty, then you can start, you know, really sort of sizing up opportunities for, for improvement. Ian Harrison, our guest from AP. My perception of Toronto sports fans is that they are patient with the Raptors because the championship aura is still around them and they're willing to be, you know, patient with the team. Not so much with the Jays. And I'm getting, a, people have texted me, they wanted somebody to talk about Vladimir Guerrero and the arbitration and and there's a worry that this is a bad idea because even if you win arbitration or even if you lose, you you've you've irritated the player possibly, uh, and you want to keep this guy long term. Is there wisdom in doing this? Is there a reason why it was a good idea? Yeah, uh, there isn't a, a ton, really. I mean, particularly when you think about the. Not, not just the implications of going into a room and telling a three-person arbitration panel why you don't think, you know, one of your best players is worth what he's asked for, but also when you think about the sort of, you know, fairly, easy for me to say, fairly small gap between what was asked for and what was offered. I think it was just around $18 million was the Blue Jays' offer, and Guerrero won at 19.9. So, you know, uh, $2 million is, is not exactly chump change, but on a, on a, on a big league salary that's going to probably top $200 million, you know, it's it's not it's not gonna uh, really gonna be the straw that breaks the camel's back. You would you would think. Um, so yeah, from that standpoint, it's really it's hard to sort of see an obvious positive. You know, I mean, if it was the difference between a luxury tax payment or a luxury tax threshold, even then maybe you could see some some rationale. But but uh, you know, at, it, it, it the way it's played out, it just sort of seems like the Blue Jays kind of. You know, sticking to their principles, which is fine. We're a file and trial team. If we if we don't reach an agreement, then we're going to go to going to go to the hearing unless we can, as they did with Bobichet last year, come to an, a multi year agreement. Um, but yeah, you know, if you, if you if your desire is to keep Vlad Guerrero Jr. in a Blue Jays uniform long term, then nothing about what's happened in in this negotiation has been positive. It suggests that they don't see eye to eye, that they don't have a common. Uh, idea of what his value is and and uh you know as we know there's only now two seasons left before Guerrero could take a uh, test free agency and and uh the closer you get to that the you know the more likely you would presume the player is to want to to experience that to, to get that chance uh, rather than uh signing a contract that would uh force him to wait longer to see what his sort of open market value is so so yeah kind of troubling troubling signs you know it's not a clear indication of what's going to happen but but not not the most positive development between Vlad Guerrero and the Jays we're a week away I think something like that from pitchers catchers hurt guys uh you know guys who are are just trying to you know hang on and get their uh, reporting uh have the Jays done enough and I say that understanding they were in the Otani and, and Soto uh sweepstakes for a time and for Otani apparently you know I mean, it looked like it was close at one point. Did they do enough this offseason, you, do you think, to maybe excite the masses? <laughs> I certainly don't think they've done enough to excite the masses. I mean, your, your point about Toronto fans, the Blue Jays fans, uh, you know, they, they've, they've felt like a bit of a frustrated lot for, uh, you know, most of last season as the bats were, uh, were often silent. That, that's, uh, that did not sit well with a, a large section of the Blue Jays fan base. Last year's team, in spite of the fact that they were a playoff team to the third time in four years did not seem to inspire an abundance of love among the Toronto faithful or Blue Jays faithful. Um, and, you know, given the sort of, I think it was five, five or six 
at least six free agents that maybe who went out the door. Um, and, you know, Kevin Kiermeyer is back. Uh, Isaiah kiner Falefa is, is here. And uh, Justin Turner. And then we're still waiting on confirmation of the signing of Cuban pitcher Ariel Rodriguez. But it does not feel as though this, the ledger has kind of, you know, been equaled in terms of talent that departed in free agency and then talent that has come in over the offseason. Um, you know, we've heard Ross Atkins at various times over this winter, the Blue Jays general manager, talk about how he expects not only internal improvements from the players that they have, but also the changes in coaching and, and uh, you know, delivery of information and so on and the impact that they expect that to have. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, up until the time the Blue Jays signed Justin Turner, they've actually made more coaching changes than player changes this winter, uh, moving Don Mattingly into the uh, offensive coordinator role, where I guess he's going to call running or passing plays, uh, bringing in DeMarlo <laughs> Hale, promoting Matt Haig from Buffalo, and then swipping, uh, swapping out third base coaches with the retirement of uh, Louis Rivera. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, if you boil it down, have the Blue Jays done enough this winter that you can look at them and say they are a clear favorite for the American League East? I don't think you can say that. I think they're, the Orioles are clearly, you know, still a better talented team on paper. The addition of Corbin Burns is very good for them. We saw the Yankees add Soto. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to say that the Blue Jays, who uh, sort of scraped in at 89 wins last year, uh, have, have done enough to kind of inspire um, I, I, you know, thoughts of a division title this year in that in that so tough AL East, and and if they can't do that, then yeah, you're right back in that wild card situation, which is such a, you know, it, it's so it's so it's proven so difficult for them, and it, it's such a short series that you know we've we've seen other scenarios in the wild card where teams that put up a vastly better regular season have not shown up for that two or three game encounter and, and that's it it's, it's, a, it's a cruel fate after 162 games but uh you know that that's the way it goes and so it, it just it shows how much the, it's worth to win the division and, and it's hard for me to sit here and say the blue jays look like they're in pole position to do that do you uh so i guess you're saying that the the jays are closer to the being the sheep than the bucket in that video then <laughs> very much <laughs> i think yeah we'll see i mean you know it uh I, I, you know, I, certainly you would hope that that uh, given how sort of it was a, seemed like an across the board uh, down season for for their offense last year, you know, you you would like to think that there will be a little bit of bounce back. But at the same time, you know, you look at the the team last year and, and they were blessed with incredible health in their rotation. Obviously, Manoa didn't pan out, but everybody else was great. Barrios and Kikuchi were way better than advertised. Uh, they were generally healthy in the bullpen. Uh, I mean, Romano missed a bit of time, but uh, nothing too serious. So, you know, you, you could, you could as, as easily as you could say the Blue Jays' offense will bounce back, you could, you could look on the other side and say maybe, dare I tempt fate, you know, a, a, a pitcher gets hurt or something like that, yeah. and, and then you're in, you're in trouble. So, so yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they, feel, they feel maybe like they're at that point in that sheep video where the sheep is kind of, airborne and, and not quite sure where it's going. <laughs> Thanks for this, Ian. Appreciate it. You have a great day. Thank you. Talk uh, soon. Okay. Ian Harrison from AP. Enjoyed that. That damn sheep video. I was <laughs> chuckling at that for days. Very well done. Bruce McCurdy is on the way, and he's going to share his wisdom about last night's game, what it means, and I'm going to ask him a little bit about the trade deadline because we haven't done that before. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Time for an update. 
This is a Sports 1440 update. And for your Sports 1440 update, brought to you by Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. The hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments were designed just for you. Book now at TommyGuns.com. There are three games in the NHL tonight, Dallas and Toronto and Tampa in New York against the Rangers, both of those at 5, and then Minnesota in Chicago at 7.30. Around the NHL, Winnipeg Jets defenseman Brendan Dillon will have a hearing today for an illegal check to the head on Pittsburgh Penguins forward Noella Cherry and veteran forward Nick Bonino has been placed on unconditional waivers by the Rangers for the purpose of contract termination. There are seven games in the NBA tonight, including Toronto in Charlotte at 5, Golden State in Philadelphia at 5.30, and the Pelicans in L.A. against the Clippers at 8. And in the NBA, Fred Van Vliet, who is in his first season with the Houston Rockets after spending seven with the Raptors, will miss Friday's game in Toronto with a strained left abductor. There is one game in the AJHL tonight, which will see Grand Prairie in Olds at 8, and the Sherwood Park Crusaders will make their BCHL debut tonight against Black Falls, that one at 7. Finally, there are six games in the WHL tonight, including the Edmonton Oil Kings on the road in Brandon against the Wheat Kings. Puck drop for that one at 6 p.m. I'm Declan Kruger. Hour 2 is on the way, and this has been a Sports 1440 Update.